Welcome to Inman Reconnect, where we bring you into our conversations about what's happening next in real estate. I'm your host, Clelia Peters. Let's jump into today's episode. In today's episode, we'll hear from real estate tech strategist, Mike Del Preti. Mike will take us into his analysis of the way iBuyers are impacting the market and what's to come. Morning, everyone. So I teach a class in real estate tech at the University of Colorado Boulder, one of the first of its kind around the world. Last semester, I was talking to my students about iBuyers. And when you look at what they buy a house for and then what they sell it for, after expenses, it's basically the same. It's basically even, right? Break even. And I was trying to illustrate this point. I was up in front of them and I said, all right, students, what would you say if I told you I was buying chairs for $100 and selling those chairs for $100? What would you say about that business? It was quiet in the classroom. Uh, Eventually, somebody in the back kind of raised their hand. Yes? He said, it's not about the chair. It's not about the chair. I thought that was a really astute observation. So for iBuyers, it's not about the house. It's about the transaction. There's a lot of change happening in this industry, and it's really easy to miss the significance of that change. So this session is about the state of the industry. The industry is moving very slowly, but it's never moved this fast. This morning, I'm going to talk about what's moving fast. So, Inman, with your permission, I got 50 slides and 20 minutes. Who's ready? (laughs) All right, here we go. So, we're going to start out by talking about the disruptors, what's moving fast. And actually, before I get into that, I want to talk about terminology here. So, oftentimes, everybody in this space, myself included, we talk about incumbents and disruptors, incumbents and disruptors. I was giving a talk last year, and somebody came up to me afterwards. He said, Mike, why do you keep saying incumbents and disruptors? I hate those words. I was like, all right, do you have any suggestions? And he did. He said, what about proven versus unproven? And I thought that was great, right? So a lot of these incumbents we're talking about in the industry are proven businesses with proven business models. They've been around for years, decades maybe. A lot of the disruptors, they're still unproven. And last time I was at Inman, I talked about that. One of the ways that are unproven is financially through this new competitive advantage of sustained unprofitability. They're losing lots of money. So I would say, yeah, if your business model is subsidized by venture capital, it's not yet proven. All right, so we'll jump into some of the big brokerage disruptors that we hear about all the time, right? Redfin and Compass. They've grown quite a bit. So collectively, those organizations have increased their national market share to 3% in 2019, up from 1.5% in 2018. That's doubling. That's moving fast, right? They've doubled. And in some markets, you know, much more than that. But this is on a national basis. If we dive in and look at the growth story, though, it's quite different. Redfin, slow and steady. I couldn't draw a straighter line with a ruler, right? Just chunk, 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 year after year. Uh, Compass, on the other hand, quite a hockey stick growth curve there. Right? And that's because that business is fueled by so much venture capital, it's going out and acquiring market share. But, so there's quite different growth stories. If we look at the, um, 
top 20 brokerages based on real trends data and transaction volume. Back in 2018, Redfin or Compass are kind of middle of the pack, right? Um, not the biggest, you know, in fact, dwarfed by size by home services and NRT, um, but also not the smallest. It's worth noting, though, that it's taken Redfin 14 years to get to that point. And it's taken Compass six years to get to that point. So what's the year ahead look like? Well, if we kind of forecast 2020, this is my best guess, you know, looking at some of the, the data out there and uh, consistent growth rates, you know, the growth continues, right? Redfin, keep trucking along, slow and steady. Compass, I expect to kind of continue doing that. So what does that look like in 2020? Um, it's not a doubling of market share, but it's another significant increase. You're probably going to go from 1.5% to 3 to 4% national market share in 2020. That's moving fast, right? This is something worth paying attention to. All right, next up, iBuyers. iBuyers are also moving fast, a disruptor in the space. Brad was just talking about them. I'm going to talk about my 2019 scorecard, right? We're going to say, okay, what's actually happening in this space? So first off, as predicted, iBuyers doubled their market share in 2019, all right? Up to close to 60,000 transactions or sides in the year. Market shares doubled. National market share has gone from a quarter percent to a half a percent in 2019. Clearly, that's nationally. iBuyers are not national yet, but if we're looking top-down, this is a great way to start the analysis of this space. iBuyers in 2019 purchased over $8.7 billion worth of homes. Now, this is not the value of transactions they helped facilitate. This is the total amount of homes they purchased, right, with capital on their balance sheet. That's a big number. If we look at just the iBuyer market segment, back in 2018, Open Door was the clear leader in terms of market share, over 70% market share, followed by Offerpad, Zillow, and Redfin. So what happened in 2019? What happened in that last year? This. Zillow moving real fast, right? Coming out of the gates, um, starting off and really getting traction. Open Door losing a little bit of market share, Offerpad losing some more market share, Redfin staying relatively consistent in the big scheme of things. Right? This is important from a top-down perspective. You've got to know what's happening. You've got to understand what's moving and what's changing. So if we look at the leaders in terms of total number of transactions in 2019, you see Open Door is still clearly the leader with over three times the amount of volume than Zillow. But Zillow kind of nudged its way into second place there. Year over year, though, quite an interesting growth story. Open Door basically doubled, right? Up 95%. Zillow up 1,200%. Keep in mind, in 2018, that was off a very low base, so that percentage sounds impressive. And, and it is. That was a lot of fast-moving uh, activity in 2019. Offerpad up a bit and Redfin tripling, but again, off a, off a small base, right? So this provides some perspective. Where are the iBuyers buying houses? Here's the top 10 iBuyer markets by purchase volume. You see a lot of the usual suspects here, Phoenix, Atlanta, Dallas, Houston. It's worth noting that those first four markets account for just a bit under 50% of total volumes. That's down year on year. So it's becoming less concentrated, but it's still concentrated. So what's happening is more markets are being launched, and that tail is getting longer and, and fuller, right? More purchases are happening in other markets. But still, concentrated in those top four, Phoenix, Atlanta, Dallas, Houston. If we look at this compared to last year, in terms of the transaction volumes, you see which markets are moving fast. So Atlanta doubled. Atlanta's moving real fast in the iBuyer space. Houston and Denver, relatively new markets that are in the top 10, right? They didn't really exist in 2018 at volume. Now in 2019, they're some of the biggest iBuyer markets. 
So huge movement in those particular areas. What kind of homes are iBuyers purchasing? Let's look at the data. This is two years of data. It's all transactions, not a select. So a lot of iBuyers say, you know, we'll buy uh, homes between 100 and 800K. Yes, technically that's true. Most of the homes they buy are still at that median purchase price of around 260, 270. That's the sweet spot, right? And you can see it's tightly clustered at that lower end of the range. So one of the common conceptions about iBuyers is that they provide lowball offers, right? That they're not providing market value. So I wanted to look into that. Last year I did a study. I looked at every single iBuyer transaction where an iBuyer purchased and then resold a home. Over two years. This is over 20,000 data points. It's everything. It's not a sample. It's not one market. I'm not cherry picking data. It's just everything. And I compared the purchase price to the first American AVM taken at the time. And I found that the iBuyer offer, the median offer was 98.6% of AVM. Right? So that implies a market discount of 1.4% or $3,800 on a $270,000 home. You, you, there's a lot of standard deviation on this curve. You will find outliers. But the median, 20,000 transactions, shows this. I think it's important context to understand what we're, anybody's talking about or thinking about iBuyers. So a lot of growth in the iBuyer space. I want to talk about what's driving that growth, right? Nobody just snapped their fingers and doubled their market share. Like, specifically, what's happening in this space? So it, it's basically this, right? If you look at those transaction volumes doubling, well, what's driving that? What's, what's causing that to grow? So there's two ways to look at this. The first is who. Um, it's mainly Zillow and Opendoor, right? Those are the companies that grew the most year over year um, and added the most transaction size. You can see Zillow kind of going from almost nothing to quite a bit and Opendoor significantly growing as well. But when you get a bit more granular and you dive in and look at the markets and the transaction volumes, I think more importantly, this is what you see. You see over 70% of that growth has come from new markets based on purchase volumes. Now, I define a new market as a market that was launched in 2019 or in the last quarter of 2018, because it takes a while to ramp this up. So 70% of that volume came from new markets. So if you think about iBuyers expanding, it's, this is breadth, right? This is launching into new areas. It's not necessarily depth. It's not necessarily going deeper in the existing markets you're already in. I think that's an important distinction. And there have been a lot of new markets launched in the last year, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, Zillow launched a new market once a month. In fact, some months they launched two markets. And in some months, they launched three markets. Opendoor, on the other hand, only launched four markets in 2019. Now, when I say launch a market, I don't mean issue a press release. I mean actually start buying houses. So I've defined activity in a new market here is buying more than just a handful of houses. That's a lot. That's a lot of new markets uh, in 2019. I don't really expect that to continue into 2020. This is breakneck pace. It's moving fast, right? If we're talking about what's moving fast, this is moving fast. Zillow's moving fast. All right, I want to talk about some key themes for 2020. Uh, first off, these tech-enabled brokerages, all right? Um, this is kind of companies that operate a model similar to Redfin, but smaller. Redfin Lite, Redfin Junior, whatever you want to call it. But it seems like no matter where you look, they just keep popping up. They're, they're all over the place. These are businesses that typically start out in one geographic area, you know, one city, one state. 
they do quite well there, you know, maybe mid single digit percent market share.、Um, but that's kind of that's it, right?、Uh, I haven't seen anybody really go national. If we go back to this graph that I showed earlier, if we wanted to plot some of these other smaller tech enabled brokerages on here, they wouldn't even register, right? They're way off to the right. So if we pull off just Redfin and Compass to compare them to them, we see something like this, right? These tech enabled brokerages, companies like Redify, Homey, Homebay, Door, these are all, in other words, discount brokers. Part of the value prop is we'll sell your home for a fixed fee or a lower percentage point.、Um, really just a couple thousand transactions a year. Significantly smaller than the big, fast moving disruptors. But we shouldn't ignore them,、um, and it's worth paying attention to them. And one of the things that interests me out of these businesses is、um, you know, they operate a model similar to Redfin, where people are employees and not independent contractors, and that gives them more control over the transaction.、Right? So, in this world where we're talking about getting closer to the transaction and the transaction being super important,、um, we also see companies. Talking about launching ancillary services, right? And the attach rate, mortgage and title and stuff. These companies have very impressive attach rates. So, Homey and Salt Lake City, they're able to get 80, 90% attach rate on their mortgage, up from an industry standard of 20, 25%. These are small, small scale, small volumes, but it's worth paying attention to that, especially when people talk about the importance of mortgage and title as a path to profitability. Second thing I want to talk about is this emergence of what I'm seeing as like a hybrid iBuyer model. Hybrid.、Uh, so <laughs> we're, in, we're in a bit of a post iBuyer world, right? Because the big iBuyers are all multi billion dollar companies, all right? No significant iBuyers launched in the past year. The, the price to entry here is a billion dollars. It's incredibly expensive, incredibly risky. But what I'm seeing is companies like Knock, Homeward, Orchard. Kind of offering this new value prop to consumers. It's not quite iBuyer, and these businesses look more like brokerages than iBuyers, but they're offering this new value prop. We're going to help you move into your new home. We're going we're to buy your new home for you, move you in, and then we'll take care of selling your old home. It's this interesting twist on the model. So, this is just kind of picked up in 2019, and I think it's going to be fun to watch that going forward. So, next theme I mentioned earlier finding this path to profitability. Um, with, with the exception of NRT and home services, every company I've mentioned so far in this presentation is unprofitable. It's kind of important, right? And I think with the SoftBank, WeWork fiasco happening last year, there's a bit more pressure for companies to find that path to profitability. To take one example,、uh, Zillow. So, Zillow, their home segment, which is just the part of the business that buys and sells homes, last quarter lost $87 million. Not spent, but lost $87 million.、Uh, you know, they're on track to lose close to $300 million over the whole year. That's a big number. Now, I'm not saying that's good or bad, it just is. That's the number. And I think it demonstrates how significant Zillow sees this opportunity and how much they and other companies like them are willing to invest in this space. Right? It's not about the house, it's about the transaction. These are not little bets or dipping your toe in the water. These are big bets happening. But companies are going to have to find a way to start proving that they can make money, and there is a path to profitability. The next theme I want to talk about is the psychological perspective. Real estate tech is not all about tech, it's also about human beings and psychology. So, this is on purpose. So, this, this is a joke slide. 
So this loading screen is meant to demonstrate and illustrate this concept called artificial waiting. Artificial waiting is when you insert an artificial delay into something to increase the perceived value of what comes next. Did it, did it work? I'll give you an example. If you use TurboTax to file your taxes, you might see a screen like this at the end, right? All right, we're submitting it. We're checking for all possible deductions, all credits, analyzing everything. It takes a couple minutes. These progress bars go along. It's all fake, right? The system knows in a split second it is done with it. But this is, this is inserted into this service to increase the perceived value of what's happening. This is also common for a lot of other web services like travel search and banks. Start looking for it. You'll, you'll notice it. And it's basically inserted anywhere. There's a significant transaction occurring that should take time. Harvard researchers studied this. They called this phenomenon the labor illusion. And what that says is that the perceived value of something increases over time up, up to a point, right? The more somebody has to wait, the higher the perceived value is. They found that people generally preferred delayed results and consider them more valuable over instantaneous ones. And this is specific to kind of web, web stuff, right? Web services, banks, and whatnot. So in this world of disruption, when everybody's talking about instant this, instant that, um, get a mortgage with a click of a button, buy a home with a click of a button, sell your home with a click of a button, I'm, I'm not so sure that's what consumers want, right? If we want a delay when we're searching for a flight, do we really want an instant home purchase? So buying a home is incredibly difficult. And you know, don't get me wrong, I don't think it should be painful, but I'm not so sure it should be easy and instant. I think buying and selling a house should be hard. So I'll end today back where I started. The industry's moving so slow, you could look around and think nothing's changing. Or you could get caught up in the hype and think everything's changing. And that's why I think now, more than ever, it's super important to stay informed, understand the scope of what's changing, and react appropriately to that change. Thanks, Inman. See you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Inman Reconnect. Visit inman.com reconnect for all episodes of Inman Reconnect. Please subscribe to Inman Reconnect in the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.